Hey, this is H1, and we're about to be running it back with another episode. As we get into the next subject of today for the next episode, openings. But before we get into the conversation of openings, chess openings, you need to know why it's important. Openings is important because it's one of the phases of a chess game. Because there's three phases of a chess game. The first one is chess openings. The second one is the the middle game. And the third one is the end game. Pretty much each phase is self-explanatory. But in order for you to have a good middle game, you have to know a good opening. And in order for you to have a good end game, you have to do really good in the middle game. That's why openings is really important. As H1 talk about openings today, we will be discussing more ideas, specific ideas than the first episode that we talked about how to approach a chess game. We're going to be talking about what people struggle with um, and how to get rid of those struggles and learn more principles of the openings instead of memorizing moves. Because when you memorize moves, you're not learning the depth of chess. You're not getting into the strategic part of the game. But knowing principles, ideas, strategic maneuvers with your pieces and how to put your pieces in optimal squares to have a powerful middle game is how you play good, perfect chess. So stay tuned as H1 talks about how to form a perfect army to be prepared for the middle game, to be prepared for the battle up ahead so that you can not be mad at yourself after the, after you lose out of the opening and actually be happy that, oh, I am prepared for the middle game. I'm just like Scar for Lion King. So let's get into the next segment. No, I got, I got to plug myself in as, you know, a lot of people still don't know this, but I'm just going to keep on saying it. I do have an Instagram. It's H1Chess. I do have a Facebook. It's called Chess Knowledge with H1. And I do have a YouTube channel if you want to support me there. I've reached like 100 subscribers from there already. So that's really exciting. Please, my my goal on YouTube is to get to 1,000 uh, subscribers. But um, yeah, it's Chess Knowledge with H1 on YouTube too. You can subscribe there and like videos. I, I got a whole bunch of videos on there. But anyway, let's get into the segment so that we can better our knowledge of chess, learning about chess knowledge, chess wisdom, chess understanding. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Why is it so hard to play a perfect opening H1? Teach me, please. Man, I 
when I was younger, I used to come out of the openings with this dumb double fianchetto. Not saying that, I guess it's not all the way dumb. It, it was a good beginner opening because not a lot of people was playing it. But when I started playing chess, I didn't learn the value of controlling the center first. I just did the double fianchetto because it was easier and that was the first thing that I was taught. But as I started playing more and as I got more experience playing chess games, then I realized, man, everybody is starting with E4 and D4. What is everybody doing? That must be the right way how to play chess. So I decided to change up my opening after playing chess for about six months. Six months. When I started playing chess, you know, the right way, instead of starting out with the double fee and keto, because, oh my goodness, here's the thing, playing a double fee and keto, there's nothing wrong with it, but the way that I was playing was really passive, too passive, too passive, and I would always get a cramped position, and those are the things that you don't want when you're coming out of the opening, ready for the battle. You want all your pieces to have some air, have some space to flow on some, uh, flow on different squares and attack different things. So I named six things that people struggle with. And you might remember these six things because these are elements to keep in mind as you actually play a chess game. And these six things will always be with you even when you're playing the middle game or end game so pay attention please and listen up you might need to write these down too if you're beginning playing chess probably my intermediate and advanced players would be like yeah i already know that so but these are some of the things that people will struggle with even grandmasters too in some of their games the first thing is development now, most people struggle with development because they don't get their pieces out the way that they should, or they wait one move. They they do a move that doesn't really contribute to the position, like moving a pawn when you actually should be moving a minor piece out to get castled before before the your opponent takes advantage of that. And if you want more specific things on that, I would rather you listen to my first episode in season three talked about how to approach a chess game. But if you lose time and you're the white pieces and you move first, then you're basically giving away your one advantage that you get with being the white pieces. And a lot of people struggle with this. A lot of people struggle with um, keeping the time, keeping the momentum when playing a chess game. The second thing that people really get distracted about is space having enough space in your camp you don't want to lose space you don't want to give your opponent too much space when you get a cramped position you don't feel good your pieces don't feel good it's kind of like um giving all your pieces an illness and they they all got the flu for some reason when you have a cramped position they're all sick they're all tired they're close together and they get crazy they get so crazy where they don't have any good squares to go anymore. And that's what you do not want to do. And you have to resort to other principles when you have a current position, like trading, trying to trade your pieces with your opponent's pieces. And it's, it's going to become just a weird struggle with you trying to defend a bad position. 
So don't forget to always not concede the space. Always try to reach for more space, especially in the, in the center of the board. You don't want to concede that. And that just goes straight to my third point. Don't neglect uh, controlling the center. Most people neglect controlling the center for some, re- for some reason. When the center is really important. The center is never not going to be important. When you control the center, and this is a chess principle, so um, it is best to control the center because once you control the center, you basically control the game. There are several Grandmaster games of them controlling the center and blowing their opponent off the board with tactics and strategic ideas. Because when you have the center, man, it's, it's just a perfect game. It's a lovely game, I can tell you that for sure. <laughs> okay, fourth point. Many, um, I used to struggle with this a lot when I was playing chess is coming out the opening with a bad pawn structure. Um, When I used to face more advanced players, when I was beginning playing chess, they used to ruin my pawn structure by giving me a double isolated, um, a double isolated pawn. And those pawns really suck. But once you have that in the opening and you go to the middle game with that and you have nothing to show for you having that bad pawn structure, then you're basically playing the middle game with not a playable position and that's the one of the main goals in the opening is to come out of the opening with a playable position and if it's not at least to your advantage or near equal then no dice it's not good then you're going to be defending a bad position for the rest of your life in that game and especially just you should just feel for um those chess tournaments where they have to spend like six or four hours at a chess tournament and a chess game and let's say that one of them comes out of it with a bad opening and they're just sitting there defending 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 for hours on end sitting at the exact same chair drinking the exact same water bottle it would be insane it would make you go crazy That's why it's important to play a a valid chess opening and to keep these four things in mind. The fifth thing, because I did say six, H1 did say six. So make sure that, yeah, yes, I did. The fifth fifth thing is material. You don't want to be down in material. (laughs) It should be self-explanatory, but... It is not. When I was beginning playing chess, I would blunder pieces all the time for free. If it wasn't just a loose piece that were that was just free for the taking, I would get caught up in like a fork tactic or a pin tactic. They them exploiting my pin. So they will pin me with the bishop and then they will attack the pin piece with their pawn. I used to fall for those type of things all the time when I was playing chess. And it was annoying playing the opening down an exchange because it feels like, first of all, it's horrible because you get this losing feeling and everybody hates having a losing feeling and it, it affects your head, your mindset. And 
it it kind of makes you um, have anxiety about even playing another chess game again. So if you don't have a good chess opening, it can affect you psychologically, especially if you have been dealing with that for a very long time. And if you have, H1 is here to save you. H1 is here to save you. I I promise you I am. (laughs) I promise you I am. The sixth thing and the final thing is king safety. Mm, um, I I never experienced this. I'm not going to lie because when I was playing a double fee in Keto, I've always castled the king very early. Earlier than my opponents. And I was usually the one exploiting my opponents not castling than I was exploiting then I was exploited for not castling, playing a double fiend kettle. But king safety is very important, especially for those people that like playing e4 and not castling. How are you going to play e4 and not castle? How are you going to play an open position that's full of tactics? You, usually e4 players want the tactics, the 99% tactics, quote, or whatever, you have to castle. The king needs to be safe if the king is damaged, if the king is not directed to their sleeping area where they can go on, go on their um, tempurpedic bed and sleep for a while with their tower. <laughs> then, yeah, you, if they're not safe, then you could lose the game. Imagine if you was the king, right? If you was the king... And would you stay out in the battlefield if you was the king? I bet you wouldn't stay out in the battlefield if you was the king. If you was the king, you would be like, I need to be more safe and, you know, just be sheltered so that I can think of more strategy plans for my army. So that's the exact same way how you should be treating your king on the board. Get that king castled as soon as possible don't delay it once you delay it especially as a beginner once you delay castling it never usually happens so please please just castle the king for h1 castle the king a a rule of thumb you should just castle as soon as possible i usually kept the rule in my head to castle before 12 moves if nothing was popping off you know but there you go. Those are the six things that beginners usually struggle with in the opening. There you go. Let's talk about some more stuff in the next segment. This is the waiting room segment. Chess jokes by H1. And the joke of today is, if you forget the rules of chess, don't worry. You're allowed to check. Yep, nothing after that. See you in the next segment.
Now, for more advanced players playing the opening, let me just tell you some of the secrets for all different types of players, intermediate, beginners, and advanced players. Those who are grandmasters, international masters, basically tournament players, they put a lot into their openings. They do a lot of work and it pays off because you can see the bunch of work that they did in their openings if they um, play them smoothly, if they know the ideas. It, it comes out on the board. The results are displayed on the board. And usually what advanced players go for when they're studying openings or looking at different ways how to capitalize um, how to capitalize something um, at a certain position is that they look for specific novelties. And we talked about novelties a long time ago. I think in the first season, we talked about novelties. Novelties are just basically moves that wasn't played in tournament level or whatever. Basically new moves in the opening. Different variations, different a, a move that nobody has played over the board yet. And advanced players look for these novelties to surprise their opponents to make sure that they keep on their toes. Because how are they supposed to know about the surprise move if it's never been played before? Usually, some players um, defend against the most popular moves. It's the easier way to go. But if you do a little sideline that your opponent does not know about at all, then, yeah, you're going to be nervous. So advanced players look for novelties to trick their opponents into thinking that they was not prepared enough and to scare them to death because then you're frightened to be like, oh, what what else have they knew about since they're throwing out new moves in this opening? Did they know all along I was going to be playing this opening? Oh my goodness. The psychological battle happens in this phase of the game for, um, mostly grandmasters and chess masters and international masters, all those different types of masters. Um, the opening is very much so a psychological thing because if you go into a novelty that you only know about and your opponent is super confused, probably curious about this variation too, and you're feeling comfortable and they're frightened to death. Yeah. Yeah, that's going to that's going you're you're going to be um, fully prepared for that game. So one thing that you shouldn't do is uh, it's, uh actually I don't know why I said that sentence. Um, one other thing that advanced players do is um, they distract their opponent with their frightening memorization of opening ideas. You see how I said that? Not memorization of specific moves, but memorization of opening ideas. Don't learn moves. If you learn moves, this is the scenario that you're going to be in. First of all, let's say you have a serious tournament that you're going into. And you're like, I studied these positions. I know what openings I want to get into. I looked at hundreds of moves 
of computer suggested <laughs> of computer suggestions. And I think I'm well prepared. I've been studying these moves for about a month now. And I think that I can get some good quick games out of these tournaments. And so you go into your first game. You think, yeah, I'm going to just play this simple Queen's Gambit decline and play these computer moves or these moves that these grandmasters have actually played. But you didn't really ask the question why to each move that they played or what was all the pros and cons to each move. And you play these moves and your opponent goes right along with the opening that you played. And let's say you get into actually what you looked up on the computer and I know you can't see it, but I did quotation marks and that the position that you have is a winning position. And you thought maybe you didn't need to look any further because if it's a winning position already, you can just find it on the board. So you get into this winning position from your first opponent But then you look at the board and you realize that you do not know what the heck that you're doing. And I realized that some people watch this with their kids. So I will never be cursing on here because cursing cursing is not allowed on this podcast. That's all I can say. But anyway, this this is the thing. You don't know the you don't know the ideas. You're playing somebody else's game. You look at the position and you're blank and you have no ideas. And you try to do an idea after that, but it was not the correct move because you didn't know why your pieces were setting the way that they are. You didn't know why your king was castled over there instead of on the other side. Those increment those um, um, specific moves need to be explained in your mind so that you can understand chess positions well enough um, to play basically alone in your in your chess games you should be able to be um, be accurate in your moves just by knowing the ideas and basically your memorization would even be more amplified if you knew the ideas behind each move And that will benefit you not just for the short term, but for the long term if you face those positions ever again. So don't remember moves because you do not want to be in a scenario or a position where your opponent plays something new. Oh, there's another scenario where let's say you're playing at a tournament and your opponent played something new that the computer that the computer did not say at all when you was looking at the chess engine moves the most popular moves and then you're like hmm i don't have a response for that <laughs> and you don't have a response for it because you was you was memorizing specific moves no ideas Please, no ideas. Okay. Um, another thing that advanced players do is making sure you even 
playing a playable position that is not losing. This is the thing with chess. Since we have chess engines and many players have played chess, um, chess has been out for a while now. And books upon books upon books have been written on the earth, okay? In the world, there are multiple of books. Just look on Amazon. You would just see a whole 32 rows of books of people just saying their knowledge, their chess wisdom. And there are playable chess positions and semi-playable chess positions, questionable chess positions, and just straight-up losing chess positions. So, advanced players look for playable positions. Positions where they can, like, poke at their opponent a little bit. Kind of make sure that they're, um, that they're good chess players, you know? And that's what advanced players do. Or they get into super tactical possessions if they need a win. And they know that it's playable because they already checked it. They already prepared it um, at home uh, with their chess engine. But they knew the idea, so they came to the position like, I already know what I should be doing um, by uh, what other grandmasters did and by what the chess engine is um, suggesting. That I, So I know the maneuvers, the ideas, the, the strategic themes the tactics that I should be looking out for, waiting for, the weaknesses on your side, and I know the weaknesses on my side. Let's get into the position, baby. Let's do it. And that's what advanced players look for. Another thing that advanced players are waiting or searching for is taking advantage of playing with the white pieces. Now, they are looking for playable positions, but with the white pieces, they are definitely looking for taking advantage of um, um, taking advantage of having the first move. Um, Being prepared to take advantage of every defense that black may do. And if you're the black pieces, then you should be like making sure um, at not we should be or you should be uh, advanced players make sure that they're playing the black pieces um, well being prepared for every opening that white may throw on the board too um, there's a lot of things to study basically in the openings for advanced players and they usually especially tournament players they usually study eight hours a day to make sure that they're well prepared for the battle ahead in their future games and once they <laughs> sit at that board and know that they're going to be there for a while, probably more than three or four hours, they understand that I can, I am as prepared as possible and I know what is playable and what's not playable. I know how to test you. I know what openings you play. I have novelties on novelties and I want to just just please get into a variation that I know. Just please let it do. There's a vi- there is a game recently that happened at Tata Steel um, against what was that guy's name? Um, crap! I did a video about it on my YouTube. Jordan, some uh, Vince is somebody. No, I didn't do a video on that yet. 
But anyway, yeah, and he was prepared 20 moves deep. And their opponent used all their time on on the position, on that move, uh, on their moves. But his preparation and opening contributed to him winning the game, him getting those temporary advantages. And I, I can say that a temporary advantage is you being up on time and your opponent wasting all their time because they're thinking about what is my opponent planning to do? So chess is all about the chess board, but sometimes chess can be all about psychological things too. And that's why I love doing episodes on the fighting spirit and distractions because just like specific things as chess openings are important, um, dealing with pressures on the chessboard and dealing with um, how to calculate correctly and your intuition is just as important. But that's that's sidetracked. Now you know and are familiar with what advanced players look for in an opening and some things that you can do in the future as you stop struggling with the six things that I did that I did talk about in the last segment. Hey, this is the waiting room segment. Chess history by H1. And the person we're going to be talking about today is Anish Giri, a Dutch chess player. He was born on June 28, 1994. And he is, at the age right now, currently 26. He was born in St. Petersburg, Russia, He got married in 2015, and his peak rating was up to 2798. He has has a kid, my boy Anish Giri, and he's still a top grandmaster. And he became a grandmaster, or he required, uh, he completed the requirements for the title of grandmaster at the age of 14. That's it. Peace. This is the waiting room segment. Patreon shoutouts by H1. And the Patreon shoutouts for today is Eliza, Juniper, and John. Thank you for joining the Patreon. Hey, this is H1, and it's about time to get down to business. I love getting time, I love getting down to business, just talking about the facts 
um, talking more about different chest openings. As we get into these a few openings, please, if you have a pen and paper, write it down. If you're serious about getting better at chess, I know some of you have just started playing chess recently. Within two months, probably watch the Queen's Gambit movie or series on Netflix or watch Searching for Bobby Fischer. But let's get into it. How to play the chess opening the simple way. This is as simple as I can put it. And these are the few things that you need to know. First of all, you need to develop your pieces, your minor pieces. Once you develop your bishops and knights, um, usually you should develop your knights first since the knights are... They say develop knights first because they only have a few good moves to go on. So if you're on the white side, they only got like knight f3 or knight e2. Um, Those are usually the few moves that are really good they say that knight h3 is not a good move uh, i'm not going to tell you that knight h3 isn't a good move as long as you're developing your pieces that's all that i care about getting your pieces in the game getting your pieces close to the center um, once you get that bishop out make sure that you castle that king baby castle that king as soon as possible and once you castle that king you're doing two things. You're not only getting that king in a safety space, in the space that that king can change clothes, take a nap, put some candles on, take a shower, relax, read a book. Make sure that that king feels comfortable and get that rook out, get that tower out so that that rook can be in the game too. You want to put those rooks on open files after you get those minor pieces out and put that queen on a supportive row where you all your pieces together can crash through the center and overwhelm your opponent. Make sure that um, you avoid pushing too many pawns because you don't want to push more pawns than um, you have um, minor pieces out. You know what I mean? You don't want to push a lot of pawns when you could be um, bringing out your minor pieces. If you push a lot of pawns, and you got to make sure that you know that you can't just bring those pawns back. The more pawns you push, the more weaknesses you are throwing out to your opponent to be like, hey, here you go. There's weaknesses. <laughs> and your opponent will definitely be like, thanks for the weaknesses. Let's take control of those squares that you left behind since you pushed up that pawn. And your opponent will be evil and make sure that you lose the game afterwards. So get more pieces involved in the game. The more pieces you get involved in the game, the better opportunity you will have to overwhelm your opponent and get that dub, get that win. And this is important too. I tell this to, um, I used to tell this to all my kids that I used to teach when I was teaching full time. Make sure that you develop your pieces and don't lose any pieces in the process. What do I mean? Well, when you put a piece out there, you don't want to put a piece on a square that is targeted by a, an opponent that can take it. So, for example, you don't want to put your bishop on a square that your opponent's pawn can take it. Because that's not a good exchange for your piece. You don't want to exchange your piece for your opponent's pawn. 
just avoid losing pieces. Please just just promise H1 that you would avoid losing pieces. Don't don't lose pieces. Do good exchanges. Don't do bad ones. Please don't. I'm begging you right now through through, through this episode I'm begging you. Please don't hurt your pieces. Your pieces are like family and they're like friends and you should treat them as such. Now, we went over two things. Develop your pieces and castling your king as soon as possible. Another thing you should um, aim to control the center. So aim your pieces to control the center. If the center is closed, then you should aim your pieces to attack on the flanks. If the center is closed, aim your pieces to attack on the flanks. Um, Try to avoid or do the best you do the best you can to avoid cramped positions so cramped positions don't let your opponent take all the space and if you do get into cramped positions which it does happen if you're playing openings like um, on the black side the carol Khan or the french defense or the king's indian defense then make sure that you counter attack in the center to get some space if you don't then you will be um psychologically you would be um hurt the whole game your heart will be crushed just seeing your pieces with um seeing your pieces not doing the maximum of their ability have you ever um seen an employee that is okay with doing the average or have you ever seen a play that just they got hired on just to be there? That's basically what you would be treating your pieces pieces as. So make sure you come out the opening, helping your pieces become as energetic as possible. One last no, two two more things. Have a good pawn structure. So try to avoid isolated double pawns um just bad weaknesses with your pawn structures and try to avoid backward pawns depending on depending on on the opening i know you can get into such positions but make sure that if you do have a bad pawn structure um another thing compensates for the bad pawn structure like um more quality or more time than your opponent something has to contribute more than the bad pawn structure okay i don't know how to say that more simple but i I, it's kind of confusing let let me just give an example so let's say you're down a material but the opening called for you to be down a material because you're you're an exchange down but you control the center a lot more and the game is equal. That's that's a good thing, you know? And there's positions that are like that. Or let's say you're down in time, but you have... You're down in time, but your king is safe and your opponent's king isn't. Things like that can happen in chess where... Uh, an element can be over another element and 
blah 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 it's a whole big thing you're gonna realize as the episodes get longer and longer (laughs) during me doing this podcast it's just gonna get so hypocritical because each position calls for something different and when you understand that when you get your correct intuition on how to play chess in different positions is going to be great is going to be awesome okay um one last thing and this might be like an advanced tip or no it's not going to be an advanced tip it's mostly for beginners too and intermediate players make sure um if you want to seriously get better at chess in the opening and this might be like what i'm about to say might hold back your creativity just a little bit i know you're ready to try out different openings when you play white you want to be like i want to play e4 d4 c4 g3 i want to start out with all these moves i want to do every single thing i want to be just like grandmaster magnus carlson and hakaru nakamura they can play any openings and they have awesome positions ah but but that's not how chess works for us average people when you're playing chess the quickest way that you can improve in chess is by playing one opening for all with the white pieces and for black playing one opening for all of white's responses you need to know one opening for all of white's responses for the black pieces and if you're the white pieces play the same opening each time so don't alternate for e4 and d4 because those are two different openings you need to just either choose e4 or d4 but if you're just playing for fun then it doesn't matter it doesn't it doesn't really matter if you're not trying to improve as quickly as possible if you're just in it to have fun with friends and family be my guest do whatever you want with that knowledge but if you are um, going into tournaments and trying to scale up the rating ladder choose one because e4 is usually um, energetic play open positions more tactical more sharp d4 is kind of more building more strategic things Um, It can be tactical, it can be sharp, but it's later on in the game, depending on which variation you choose. And more um, boring, slow, etc. C4 is definitely plain, um, equal positions, kind of not searching for the opportunity. Each opening has its own chess personality, which I will be getting into in future episodes. Um, if you're trying to progress in chess, just choose one opening, um, especially if you're trying to progress in chess as fast as possible. This is the waiting room segment. Chess Quotes by H1. And the quote of today is, I hate losing on time. I mean, I really hate losing on time. Like, if I had an option 
between losing on time and not having a house, I would decide not to lose on time. Well, I guess H1 really hates losing on time. Let's get back to the segment. Hey, <laughs> I want to start with hey. I need to start with something else. You know what? Let me try again. Give me, give me one sec. Nacho cheese. It's H1. I came back with another intro to the end. I'm, I'm sorry that it's ending, but at the same time, I get to update you on the next episode, which. I'm not going to be talking about the end of this. I'm glad that you made it this far. Congratulations. I'm proud of you. I love all of y'all. I I do. It's, it's really just amazing how far I came from when I started this. And yeah, it's it's great. Just thinking about it now, it, it, it puts me in a mood of happiness. My heart is swelling with happiness. Thank you for being here, especially all the OGs that were here from the beginning. I appreciate every single one of you. Thanks for the compliments that I get um, every single week from people that are watching this, trying to find me on Lee Chess (laughs) with the Facebook group. Um, On Instagram, especially people that find me through this podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. Thank you for all the people that have left good reviews, even on my um, Apple Podcasts. That was exciting to to see. And um, just reaching over 10,000 plays is an amazing feat. I appreciate every single one of you. Um, let's make sure that we come back. Um, man, I can't even talk right now. It's, it's so great. But I welcome you to come back with some more chess knowledge. <laughs> Is that even the right way to say it? I don't even think so. No, I welcome you back for some more chess knowledge. Peace. Peace. <laughs>